I am so honored that you are here today. I believe today is going to be a fantastic time. I, I believe it already has been. Amen? Yeah. Absolutely. I believe many of you have your caffeine high. All right. You've got your cup of coffee and you've got your sugar donut. Okay. Fantastic. But I'm, I'm super excited to dig into the word. Um, we started last week on a new sermon series called Face to Face. And, you know, I believe that you guys really received something genuine and something valuable from that. You know, we got into an encounter. We got into a God encounter. We got into uh, one of the stories in the Bible of Jacob and how he wrestled with God and different things. But I, what I want you to understand here for a second is that the reason why I felt it necessary for us to get into a series such as this that we're digging into is because I want you, you personally, to have a godly encounter in your life with Jesus Christ. I want the Holy Spirit to communicate to you daily. I want God's word to be a part of your everyday routine but yet not routine because I want it to be something of what? Genuine, okay? Um, I'm gonna start off by this statement this morning. And I want you to listen very intently to this. God cannot be fully understood until he is fully experienced. All right, I'm gonna repeat that statement for you one more time. Uh, you might even wanna write it down. I didn't put it in your notes, forgive me. But God cannot be fully understood until he is fully experienced. Part of the Christian life includes what we've been talking about. People who have had a godly encounter. Uh, who, who have had maybe that, what we might call a face-to-face -face encounter. Now, listen, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've never had an encounter like Jacob had. In fact, I don't want to wrestle with God because he will beat me. No, 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 no doubt about it, all right? What we're about to get into this morning, if you've already looked on the back of your bullet or in your notes, you see we're going to get into Moses. I've never had a burning bush experience. I don't know what I would do if I had it in front of me, to be frank with you, okay? I don't know how I would react. But I know this, that most of us, if not all of us in this room, who are followers of Christ in some way, in some manner, have had a godly encounter or have had a face-to-face -face encounter with God, what, through scripture, through prayer, through people speaking life into your life, okay? We have all, in some way, some form, had an encounter. What we do here in this church, and what my, one of my main objectives, is to create an environment where people can meet with God. Where people can truly, now I'm gonna, this is a rhetorical question, that means you don't really need to answer it out loud, but, who wants to meet God? Think about it. Who wants to have a godly encounter with our Heavenly Father? Who wants to have that moment face-to-face -face with Jesus? My hope and prayer is that that would be every single one of us. Our theme verse that we looked at last week and we're going to look at each week comes from Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. And I want you to notice that where Moses ends up in chapter 33 is not where he begins, but this is what the word says. The Lord would speak to Moses, what? Face to face. I'm going to stop there for a second. Keep that scripture up, please. But this was an intimacy or a closeness 
that Moses had with God. This is something that I strive for every day in my own life. You know, I, I, how many, I, have you ever got frustrated where you've read through the Bible and you're like, God, I see how you communicated to them. I want that. That, that you can answer. Has anybody ever been in that spot before? Like, God, really? I mean, can you just not, can I have a burning bush moment on this decision? Really? Can you not, have you ever prayed this prayer? Lord, could you just, just like, I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to pray this prayer. And then, Lord, when I open them, I'm going to look in the sky and the clouds are going to form my answer. <laughs> anybody ever been there? Thank you. Like one of you with me. All right. Awesome. We've all had that moment. You know, I've heard people before, you know, I've never had this happen to me and I think it's fabulous. And I know some of you in this room have had this happen because you've told me you've had a financial need. You prayed about it that morning. You went to the mailbox that afternoon and there was a check sitting there waiting. Woo! Praise God. Every time I ask God for the financial need, he's like, go work harder, you know, (laughs) go figure that one. But these are things we long for a closeness and an intimacy with God. And this is something that Moses had. And, and he, you know, my objective, like I said, is I want to create an environment where we can have this type of closeness. Where, where you can have an open environment where you can feel it doesn't matter who's around. It doesn't matter. All of that doesn't matter. All that matters is I'm in tune right now with God. And I want God to speak life into the death of my life. I want God to resurrect. Hello. I want God to resurrect the ruins Remember, you know, we talked about that on Easter Sunday, that on that Sunday, there was power. There was resurrecting power. Some of us, we need that resurrecting power in relationships. We need that resurrecting power in your finance, right? In your job situations. Watch this. Physically, psychologically, we want God to move, and I want God to move in your life. I want to hear God. I want you to hear from God. But he goes on to say that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face, As what? A man speaks with his friend. Now, for a lot of people, one of those things that they don't like to talk, that they don't like about Christianity is that they have never found a comfort zone in the area of prayer. Prayer, for some reason, becomes one of those things that we have a difficult time doing. We get where we need to sit down or we need to read the Bible. But what we don't take time enough for a lot of times simply is prayer. We get so caught up into so many things, don't we? Our schedules are so slam-packed. They're so full. You, you know, you wake up, and next thing you know, you're going to bed. Because time, what, flew right on by, you know? We have a hard time with prayer. A person, watch this, a person who has experienced God's presence and power in his life is changed forever but they experienced it more than likely because they have a solid prayer life. Communicating. Think about this with your closest friends. Why are you so close to them? Well, we have things in common. I get it, all right? But if you never talked to them, guess what would happen? There would never be a drive. There would never be a closeness. Communication is so important. And it's even that much more important from your natural relationships to the supernatural relationships when it comes to God and when it comes to Jesus. If my wife and I never talked, could you imagine how horrible our home life would be? Some of you need to start talking to your spouse again. Yeah, amen. 
Remember that one where Jesus said that, you know, really cool thing, and then he had it, nobody paid attention, and he had to go, amen? That was one of those moments, all right? Communication is so key and so important. The Apostle Paul was truly intelligent, knowledgeable. We talked about that a little bit um, last week. No one was equal to him probably all throughout the scriptures when it come to his knowledge other than, of course, Christ. But he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. He says, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. In other words, you know, he could have gone there. He could have wowed them with big words and, 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 and all this stuff. He could have showed how much knowledge he had. He could argue them into believing what he believed. But he understood this. But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I said this last week. I could stand up here and I could give you all the true life stories that my family goes through to try to relate it to you in a message so you can grasp it. I could say all these wonderful things, but until you physically feel God in your life and see the demonstration of the Spirit's power, it doesn't, it doesn't even compare. You know, we talked about how we've all had those moments in life where we try to tell a story. Right? We try to tell a story of something great that's happened. Remember I told you guys about this restaurant my wife and I went to on our honeymoon. It was fabulous. It was great. And I'm sitting there telling it to you. And some of you are just looking at me like, yes, Pastor Kevin. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And then what did I end up saying? But you just had to been there. I want you to been there when it comes to experience God and having a godly encounter and face to face with him. Here's what I'm tempting to do. And, I want, and I, I'm trying to give you these encounter stories. And here's why. Because if someone who has encountered God tells you how they got there, it can help you, what? Get there. Right? I mean, we only learn by people giving us examples. I, I'm a very visual person. Right? I have to see it. That's why I have to read. I have to read in order to dig into God's word. I have to, you know, when, when, when uh, I have to be fed too, okay, spiritually in my life. So I go throughout the week and I'm watching different preachers that I know personally and some that I don't know through the internet so that I can get fed. But I realize this as being your pastor, I realize that if I had something in front of me that I can follow along, I learn more. I'm able to grasp it better. Why? Because now I'm actually being there just as their church, their people are there. And I'm able to dig into it further. What we need to do is not just rely on people's experience to help us to, to, to think that we're living the Christ-like life. What we need to do in our prayer needs to be opened up into this matter. Lord, allow me to have a face-to-face -face encounter with you. Allow me to have a godly encounter with you so that this whole thing isn't, you just had to been there, but then you can look at someone and you can tell a story of what God has done in your life and that maybe you can help them come into the growing knowledge and saving grace of Jesus Christ. 
Now, we're going to look at Moses today. And we're going to look at his encounter. And most of us already know a lot about him. But just to give you a little bit of background information. You've seen the movies, right? You've seen the animated movies. Uh, what was, there was one, um, Prince of Egypt. Remember that? That was like a cartoon back in the 90s, I think. The 90s, that sounds so long ago, doesn't it? Jeez. The other day, we, um, we have that series, XM Radio, you know? We don't have it, really, because my wife doesn't allow me to buy it. She's like, she's very frugal on that stuff. She's like, we don't need that. It's just another bill, you know? Thank you. Yes, amen. But the other day, we, uh, I, was, I was sitting in, in, in the, the minivan. Y'all know the minivan. Silver bullet, right? That's what, that's what we call it, the silver bullet. And uh, remember when we had all that work? We had all this work done on our minivan. Well, I got a letter in the mail from Honda telling me, well, since you had all this work, we're going to give you like three months free of Sirius XM radio. I jumped on that right away. Absolutely. You know, I'm going online. I'm registering the, the radio. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm dialing through it. You know, some of you are like, oh, that's nothing. Well, to me, it's something, okay? And so I'm going through it, and I found, like, on Channel 9, it's 90s music. And so I was like, oh, cool, this is stuff I grew up on. Watch this. It is okay sometimes to listen to stuff that, that's just not Christian, okay? Can I say that? Okay? You don't have to, like, some of you are like, I only listen to Christian music, but I'll listen to 50s every now and then. Okay, well, I'll listen to Christian music, but I'll also listen to the 90s every now and then, okay? There you go. And I was listening to it and hearing these songs, and I went, wow. I'm starting to feel pretty old. Starting to feel pretty old. But anyway, needless to say, here you have this Hebrew baby, right, that was put into a basket in order to save his life. He floated down the Nile, and then what? Pharaoh's sister scoops him up, begins to raise him as one of the uh, princes of Egypt. He finds out that he's Hebrew, and he goes through a lot of emotional and psychological conflicts and distress within his mind. And he ends up murdering an Egyptian uh, slave master, and then he's exiled and sent to the backside of the desert. And he's there for 40 years. For, excuse me, 40 years later after he's there. He's around 80 years old at this time. And this is where we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 3. Verses 1 through 6. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock into the far side of the desert. Now focus right there for a second. Most people feel that God exists, okay? Most of us feel that God exists. But a lot of people don't have a relationship with God. Two different things there, okay? A relationship means there's an open side of communication. There's a love being demonstrated from both sides, okay? Not just God's side, but our side as well, all right? So whenever God does something strange, understand this, you typically have to make a decision. And here's what we're going to understand here for a second. It says, and came to Herob, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush was, was on fire, it did not what? Burn up. Now, understand this. God is notorious for creating strange ways or strange atmospheres in order for us to get closer to him. You know, if it's, it's kind of like this. If you're wanting God to be like this all tucked in, orderly, 
and how he's going to always respond and try to gain our attention, well, you're probably going to be disappointed, all right? Because he always seems to find the most strength. And you ever notice God will also find you in the most desperate time and then he'll reveal himself? Thank God for that moment. Thank God for those seasons where everything doesn't just go as planned. I'm thankful for those dry times. I'm thankful for those spiritual droughts. I'm thankful, watch this, I'm thankful for those times where I go, God, really, are you even, are you even around right now? Because that is when God usually reveals himself to be even more prominent in our life. All right. So it goes on to say, so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. So I think to myself, you know, this is me. I don't know how you're made up, but this is how I'm made up. If I see the bush burning and it's not like going away, do I run? There's something strange here going on, you know? But the Bible says what? Oh, I'm just going to go over and see this straight for my what own sight. So why does the bush not burn up? Why doesn't it? So he goes on to say, so Moses thought, I will go over, see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, in other words, when you take a step to understand, God then is required to reveal himself. All right, some of you. Some of you are just not following that one yet, all right? What I love about God is when we take the opportunity to step out in faith, God then has to respond. When we take an opportunity to get into his word, God then has to respond. When we take an opportunity to come into the house of God, God then has to respond. Understand this. When you do your part, God First of all, he's already done his part. But secondly, he goes above and beyond for your sake. Now, goes on to say, and God called to him from within the bush. See, that's my desire here this morning. And that's my hope for you guys. Is that you are drawn to something. That you are drawn to God. And that he must reveal himself that he must speak into your life. Understand this, he goes one on to say, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. God was letting Moses in that moment to know that what was going on around him is very significant and that it is holy. We can't create this, but Moses we can initiate just like he did by coming closer. You cannot create a God encounter in a face-to-face. Only God can choose whether or not to reveal himself. But when we do our part and we seek after him, God must respond and reveal himself into our lives. What are those things? What are those moments Where in your mind, you've been thinking, I need God in this. I need God to reveal himself. I need God. If we would begin to pray these prayers, if we would take it upon ourselves to make that first step, 
to make that step of initiation, to, to make that step that is uncomfortable, to step out and say, God, talk to me. God, speak to me. Watch this. God has to because it's of his character. Now, then he said this, God speaking, I am the God of your father. The father, excuse me, I am, your, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid, what? To look at God. Moses was face to face in chapter three. We read, or excuse me, in this moment, face to face. But in chapter three, we understand that he hid from God. In other words, I don't understand you. I'm uncomfortable with you. How many of us have ever had that moment where we, we would say to ourselves, you know, if God were to reveal himself to us right now, how many of us would be uncomfortable to it? We're not ready for that yet. We don't know if we can take that in. We don't know if we can, if, if God's going to speak in that matter, that we could actually accept it. You see, for God knew that with Moses. So Moses had to go through a time where he was in the desert. And God was able to, to begin to work on him and begin to change his heart and to begin to give him a knowledge and a wisdom. And then God was able to reveal himself and they were able to go face to face with an encounter. See, a lot of times we don't like the seasons of waiting. We don't like the times of where we've got to step back and just say, you know what, God's trying to do something. Maybe my prayer's not being answered right now the way that I'm wanting it to be answered. But God is doing a work inside of me, so I need to step back for a minute and allow God to work, and then God will come through in his timing and in his way. That's so hard for us. Because we really feel that it should all go according to our timing, in our way, in our agenda, in the way that we want to see it. But often it doesn't go that way. God says, no, I need to take you through a season. You need to go through a time where I can put into your life. I can begin to give you a knowledge of the word. I can give you an understanding so that when I do speak to you in a matter of a face-to-face -face or a godly encounter, you can accept it. Now, Moses responded with four excuses or four obstacles, things that I think that we can relate into our own life, obstacles that we encounter. And the first one is this, who am I? The first obstacle Moses thought as a good reason not to get close to God was this, who am I? Obviously, God, you've not been watching my life. Obviously, God, you don't see how messed up I am. Obviously, God, you don't see that I'm in an exile. Obviously, God, you don't see that I've got issues and that I'm a murderer. Trust me, you don't want me. Now, I see this response of Moses. And then I look at it and I go, you know what? We act the same way when it comes to God. God, you can't use me. God, God, <laughs> watch this. Can, can I just, I'm going to be really transparent here for a second. Extremely transparent. It has nothing to do with my family, me. I'm going to throw myself under the bus here. I make it a point as a pastor to make sure that when I marry someone, not, I mean, I've already married, you know, I'm talking a couple, not God, I, 
You know what I'm talking about. When I marry a couple, that they sit under what I feel is God-given guidance for a period of time before they go to those I do's. But watch this. Here's the transparent part that makes me extremely uncomfortable. I'm a divorced pastor. And I sit there almost every time before I have to sit down with a couple and I beat my own self up going, how in the world can you do this when you have already failed yourself? And then God reminds me, that was a season I had you in to prepare you for where you are now so that you can enrich people into my knowledge and my word. I say that because some of you have gone through some really hard times. You have gone through some physical battles, mental, psychological. You've gone through spiritual droughts. I want you to understand, you did not go through it in vain. You went through it because God's got a meaning and a purpose. What the enemy meant to bring to your, as your demise, God is meaning for you to use it to enrich and empower his kingdom even stronger. So what you're going through, those thoughts of I'm not adequate, I can't do this, how could God use me, means absolutely nothing. The greatest enemy in your life is not Satan himself, but it is your thoughts. All right, let me get off that for a second. So here's Moses, chapter 3, 11 through 12. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? In other words, who am I? Look at me, God. Look at all my mistakes. God said, I will be with you. Somebody needs to hear that. You've been battling in your mind some spiritual things. You've been battling in your mind. God's been giving you some direction. It's made you uncomfortable. God says what? I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that, is, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. In other words, God is redirecting Moses, not Moses' character, but to God's character. It's not about you. I hate to say it that way, but it's not. Life is not about you. Sometimes you need to look in the mirror and go, it's not about me today. It's about God. It's about God and how he wants to use me in order to bring people to his kingdom. It's about how God wants to use me in order to bring encouragement into someone's life. It's about how God wants to use me, watch this, to show somebody some love who hasn't received love in a very, very long time. It's about how God can use me to show compassion and to reach out a hand to give some guidance and to pull somebody in the way that you feel that God is leading you to lead them. It's not about what you think of yourself. It's not about you, it's not about your character. It's about God's character. Listen, none of us are worthy. Not any person in this room today is worthy. We don't go to God based on our worth. We come closer to God based on his worth. We must stop focusing on who we are and start focusing on who he is and what he's wanting to do. You know, we, we come into settings like this where we've been invited and then we look and we, we think about our, our life and this past week, well, look how I responded and the words that may have came out of my mouth and 
uh, the thoughts that may have gone through my mind. And here I am sitting in a, in a church. And well, how in the world could God speak into me? Simply how he speaks in all of us. It's not about you. It's about what he wants to get accomplished through you. You see, understand this. God loves you. He loves you. He sent the most valuable thing, his son, for your life. Do you think your actions are going to cause God to turn his back when he already knew that you were going to have the actions to start with? But yet he still gave something so valuable? That would make no sense whatsoever, would it? Absolutely not. So how do we overcome this? We overcome condemnation. The person in your life who is miserable and they are trying to make you miserable, bring you down, you know misery loves company, right? Have you ever had somebody in your life trying to bring you down to their level? Apparently so. Some of you have laughed, all right? Misery loves company. Misery is wanting to pull you in and to suck you in so that you can be miserable with it. You, we need to understand this. We must overcome our condemnation. Sometimes we must bring about different friendships and different relationships within our lives to get us out of these things. Um, John chapter 3, verse 17. I don't have this scripture for you, but I'm going to read it to you. It says, God did not come into this world to condemn the world, but to what? Save the world. God didn't come to tell you how bad you were. You take care of that yourself. He came to give you a way out. Watch this in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 5 says this. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Now, I read a story this week. Um, our 20th president, I don't even know how I got into this, by the way. It just somehow I got into this story. But our 20th president, I think it was James Garfield. I think he was only president for like six months. Okay? The first three months of it, he was in, you know, he was, he was a president. And then he got shot. Got shot in the back. And he was in the hospital. And he didn't die because of the shot. Here's how he died. They didn't have sterilization back then like they do now. So here you had all these doctors, probably, you know, who knows if they washed their hands, you know, probing into him, trying to find this bullet. That was just, it's the, what I read said, it was just behind his pancreas. And so they're, 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 they're digging in, trying to find this bullet, and the bullet isn't what killed him. But then they're taking all these, you know, different things, these utensils, I guess you would call them instruments, all right, and they're trying to dig and probe and, and get this bullet out, and it caused an infection. And the infection, three months later, is what caused him to die. Now, I say that because of this. We have a lot of people in our lives that are toxic. We have people that are constantly shooting things at us, verbally, psychologically, mentally, however you want to say it. And the enemy is so sly at what he's doing. What I want you to understand, it's not the people, but it's the enemy who's trying to attack you to bring you down. But it doesn't matter what they're bringing up. That's not what's going to destroy you spiritually. No. 
What's going to destroy is the continually probing at time after time after time over your faults, over your past, over the failed relationships. Are you following me? Over these And watch this. It's not even their probing, but it's your probing as well. That's eventually it's going to destroy you spiritually in your life. What I believe needs to happen is this. When we get to the place where it says what? And I believe it was in 1 Peter where it says that we are to cast our cares on him. That means literally we need to cast our cares on him and begin to leave things alone. And watch this. Allow God to bring healing into your life again. Healing into those relationships. Healing into that spiritual drought. Secondly, the question comes to this. And Moses said, well, who are you? The second hurdle that Moses had was simply establishing how powerful God was. Up to this point, it's impossible, or excuse me, that it's possible that Moses didn't think that God was really all that powerful. I mean, after all, he had heard of his forefathers, Abraham, but the way it looked to him was this. We've been in captivity and slavery for a long time, and Lord, you've done nothing to help us. In fact, my whole life now is messed up because I haven't seen you intervene. Exodus chapter 3. 13 through 14 says this, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I, shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. In other words, you want to know how big I am? The list just goes on forever. That's who I am. The list doesn't end. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Everything that you will ever need has already in your life been sent to you. So let me ask you this question. How big is your God? How big is your problem bigger than your God? Is it? No. Everything you see God has made or allowed to be made. You own nothing. Your children are not even yours. Everything you have belongs to God. So the problems you're going through, are they really so big that it's detrimental to your life? No. Your God is so much bigger. Remember this. Your existence on this earth, I don't know why I'm so compelled to continually remind you of this. But it is what? A mere vapor. A mere vapor. We allow some of the dumbest things to affect us, don't we? That really mean nothing in the end goal. Your God is huge. Our God is everything. So what, what do we need to overcome? We need to overcome doubt. We need to be someone that says, I believe God that there's nothing that is impossible for you. That my prayer time should consist of not telling God how big my problems are, but rather telling my problems, watch this, how big my God is. Declare everything that he has for your life. That he is what? A savior. That he's a healer. 
That he's what? A conqueror. He's a deliverer. Watch this. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Ah, Lord, God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Watch this. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Let's try this one more time. Nothing is too difficult for you. Gosh, nothing. In order to encounter God, you must believe that he is huge, that he is big, that he is everything. Takes us to our third point. Third question. What if they? That's huge right there. What if they? Don't we all? Well, who's they? That's everybody else other than you. What if, watch this, Exodus 4, 1, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me? Who cares? If God spoke it, who cares? Simply just, just take on that attitude. That's okay to have a who cares attitude. I don't care what you think of me. I don't care you think I'm absolutely insane. If God is speaking it to me through his word, I'm going to do it. If God gives me vision for this church, guess what? We're going to do it. I don't care. I must Fulfill God's plan. That's the only thing that truly matters. So watch this. He goes on to say, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? See, if we're not careful, if you and I, if we're not careful, we will allow people to think that and to bring those thoughts into our minds that will keep us from the presence of God. This very thing even happened in Jesus' day in John chapter 12. 42 through 43 says, yet at the same time, many even among the believers believed in him, speaking of Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. The synagogue, understand, wasn't just the church. It was like their social location where all the social events happen. So the synagogue really played a, a, a lot of different parts here, okay? And they were afraid of what others would think. Because why? They loved human praise more than the praise of God. I want to repeat this whole scripture. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith, for they feared they would, not, or they feared they would be put out of the synagogue. Now, I'm going to ask you, Something just really dumb, but it's not. It's really important at the same time. Inward response here. How many of you, when you're out in a restaurant, give thanks for your food? Think about that. We get scared of what my, maybe somebody might think, or we get uncomfortable. Oh, I don't want to give thanks because I don't want to know what they're going to think of me. You know? I had a, um, I think I told you this before. I had an interesting conversation with a pastor sometime, one time. And we went out to dinner, and it was time to eat, and he didn't pray. He wasn't even going to, like, I, I was younger, he was older, so I was expecting him to take the lead here. He's more like a mentor deal. And he wasn't going to pray. In my mind, I'm going, this isn't right. We need to pray right now. And so I spoke up, and I said, we're we not going to pray he said, well, when I got my paycheck, I prayed over it that whatever I used, God would bless. And I said, oh. I said, well, how about when you're in your home? Do you pray over your meal when you're in your home? Well, no, because it follows under the same thing. We don't, we don't pray over anything. I just pray when I receive the check and everything's good then. That is wrong. 
Can I just say that very verbally right there? That is absolutely wrong. We need to give thanks in all things. Give thanks all times for what God provides and what God gives to us. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people think of me. If it, and that's, that's just not just when it, in, in times of when, when food's brought to you. But how about this? Let me throw something out here a little bit deeper for you. How about when you're out in the community and somebody comes up to you and says, you know, will you pray for me about this? You know what? I'll remember that. Yes, I will remember that. And you walk away and, oops, thank you. You know what? Watch this. Let's just get a little crazy here. Let's pray right now. Let me, let's join hands. Let's believe this together. God, because you don't know who's watching. We think everybody who's watching is trying to attack us. But there's some people who are watching and they're looking for hope. And they're looking for love. And if we don't demonstrate these things, how is the world ever going to see it? They're not. We must take these responsibilities on ourselves. Proverbs 29 says it this way. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is the one kept safe. I guarantee those people will look at you a lot better. So how do we do this? We must overcome fear. We're afraid that if I really take the step, if I pray at the restaurant, if I pray with the person who's going through a, whole time, a bad time, it's going to be an embarrassing moment. We have become too concerned at what people think rather than what God thinks. I want to read the scripture in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says this, I am not ashamed. This is, this is, understand this, Paul's writing here. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who what? Believes, first for the Jew, then to the Gentile. But then Moses wasn't done. We have one more excuse, my last one. And I'm going to close. Number four, I have never. Watch this. I have never done that before. Yes, there was a time where I had never done this before. Think about that for a moment. I've, I think I've, uh, it's been a long time, but I remember my first sermon I'd ever preached. Scared out of my mind. I was in Bible college and I had this pastor that I was attending the church and the pastor came to me on, on a Sunday and said, uh, next Wednesday, I want you to preach in our, in our, um, in our service. And that I, I'm going to throw this out there. All right. Lots of people attended even on that Wednesday. Thank you. And, um, so, you know, here I'm supposed to be prepared for these things. This is what God's called me to do. I was scared out of my mind. I'm not going to lie. I, I think I went through every Bible story that I could think of in my mind so fast. I'm writing down everything from Genesis to Revelation. I'm going to give them all of it. They're going to get the whole Bible. They're going to walk away and everyone's going to be saved. And, and everyone's going to be healed. And everything's going to be great. And wow me, but I'm scared. I remember sitting there preparing my message for it. And so that Wednesday came and a lot of the, my friends from the college, they had heard that I was gonna speak and this was my first time. And 
we all had our first times back then. And so we all would go and support each other, you know, even if we were horrible, we'd be like, man, that was, that was awesome. We're all a bunch of liars, you know? And so I went up there that Wednesday and, you know, in your mind, you got 40 minutes. That's what you, 40 minutes to give a word. 40 minutes, everyone's life is going to be changed in that moment. And so I get up there and I start speaking. 10 minutes into it, I'm like, I'm done. I have not, I've told you everything about the Bible that I know. Genesis through Revelation, you've heard every story, every example, it's all done. And this guy stood up about like right in this area, midway through, right where Carl, you're sitting. Yeah, it was Carl, he raised his hand. And he stood up and he had this, I've told you before, and whenever I see somebody dressed like this, I think of this guy all the time. He had a, a gray sweatshirt, not a hoodie, just a gray sweatshirt, gray sweatpants and a gray fanny pack. All right. And it, we're in North Carolina. He had this strong Southern draw to his voice. And he stood up and said, church, very unorthodox, you know, way. Church, could we just stretch our hand forth and pray for brother Kevin to let him know he was not a failure today? Man. That's rough. I mean, it was like one of those moments I was just like, I just want to get out of here. My friends are like, oh my gosh, we got a lot of work, a lot of lying to do, you know? And, and I'll never forget that as long as I live. But, but I remember, because I, I say that to say this, that oftentimes we will say, I have never. God, I can't do that. I've never been, a, you, God, you can't use me. I have never. Everyone starts somewhere. For Moses, this was a starting period. Watch this, Exodus 4, it says, Moses said to the Lord, Oh Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since. You have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses saying, Lord, you've asked me to do something I've not done before. I'm not a public speaker. God picked a stutterer to use and demonstrate his message. Sometimes until we can take steps of faith, we will never have the best of God. So we need to overcome something that's called reluctance. I know what I'm supposed to do. Speaking of you in this, this is you. I know what I'm supposed to do, but fear keeps me from doing it. I know what I'm supposed, I, I know that, you know, I, I, I should be on a, I have a gift. I know I should serve. I, I know I should, you know, maybe host a life group. I, I know that I should be with Kid City. Puddle jumpers and little snot-nosed two and three-year-olds. I know I should be a part of a first Wednesday group. I know I should, you know, one of the things, I walked in this morning and I saw two lovely ladies I love dearly working for the first time in a ministry capacity. And I had no idea that they were even doing that or going to do that. Inside of me, I'm like, people are getting this now. People are starting to understand. It's better to give than it is to receive. Amen. That we have a responsibility as the body of Christ to become involved and to allow ministry to work through us. Hebrews 11:6. 6. 
And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith of, I'm uncertain of what's going on, or I I don't know how to do this. But watch this, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's like with Moses with the burning bush. That moment changed his life forever. He had a God encounter. He had a face to face. I want you to stand with me this morning. And it is my responsibility. If I'm going to give you a word that talks about giving you an opportunity to have a godly encounter, to be face to face, it's my responsibility to open that opportunity this morning to you. So I'm going to ask everybody about every eye closed today. And I make it a point to ask this in every single Sunday, especially Sunday service, and that is this. If you don't know who this Jesus Christ is that we've talked about, if, if you've never experienced the saving grace of Jesus Christ, before we can go any further in this service, I have to give an opportunity for you to express that you want Jesus in your life as your Lord and Savior. So I'm gonna ask you that this morning. If that's you today, you can say, Pastor Kevin, maybe I've been here week after week, or maybe I'm just now starting to attend. Whatever, none of that really matters. All that matters is this, that you could say today, I need Jesus. I want Jesus in my life as my Savior. If that is you this morning, I just want you to slip your hand up and then you can put it right back down. I'm gonna give you an opportunity. I see that hand. 